Hey, y'all this morning. <coughs> excuse me, I've been fighting off uh, the crud. So just excuse me with that. Um, so this morning, I have the word for y'all. Um, I know it's the word for y'all. Uh, the reason I know that is because I'm standing on the stage. Um, no, for real though, I, I've prayed over this. Jamie called me three weeks ago. I said, hey man, I was going to see if you wanted to see about preaching. I said, sure, let me, let me pray about it. <laughs> and I got with him a couple days later. I said, yeah man, I, yeah, let's do it. Uh, it's been coming for a long time. Um, been youth pastor for five years, August to be six years, and um, it's been coming for a long time, but I spent a lot of time in prayer on seeking the Lord on how do I bring the kingdom into my home or into my life, um, and I got to the point where he, he laid it out for me. He said, well, what have you been doing for the last six months? Because the last six months, man, God has totally just wrecked my life. Uh, things have just changed my life, the the way I live it, things I, that are important to me are completely different from what they were six months ago. Things that used to be important do not hold a candle anymore. Um, my life's completely changed. So while I was researching on the computer, I ran across this thing called WikiHow. And I started reading, I was like, well, I'm going to see what this is, just for the heck of it. You know, I'm, I've been searching for an hour or two. Let's click on this. I clicked on it, and it's basically, it should have been titled, The World's Way to get the presence of God is basically what it should have said. And it broke it down into like 12 different things. And they were find the perfect room in your house, dim the lighting to a perfect spot, get your special incense in the room, pick your special love song and get in there. And I was reading it and I started laughing. <clears throat> I was like, wow, this is hilarious. And then I was sitting there and, then, and it just hit me. I was like, dang, it's funny, but it ain't. Because a lot of times, the world today, that's how they look at the presence of God. I have to do these special things. I have to stand on one foot and hop. got to rub my head and pat my stomach. And I have to do all these special things. I have to dress a certain way. But it kind of hit me, and I was like, you know, that's stupid. God doesn't tell me I have to do anything special like that. He don't tell me anything like that. So my question this morning is, how does your natural kingdom compare to the heavenly kingdom? Your natural kingdom being your home, obviously, because it's a woman's palace and a man's kingdom, because that's where his recliner is. So, <clears throat> how does your natural kingdom compare to your heavenly kingdom? So, my first point, oh, and I, oh yeah, I got to use this thing. I almost forgot. This thing work. My first point that the Lord gave me was, well, you got to know the word. And, um, ooh, I got a backdraft. Hey, y'all read this with me. <laughs> uh, I got to do a recap. I felt like I needed to. We define what, Jamie defined what the kingdom of God is. And the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of God is God's government currently active in heaven, demonstrated on earth by Jesus and offered to humanity. You enter it by submitting to God. You submit to his instruction. That's how you enter it. That was Jamie's first lesson. The second one was on kingdom of God come into your workplace. That is the last place you see the kingdom of God lots of times. And a lot of that has to do with the world's attitude, but not only the world, it's, it's our attitude. Because as Christians, we're called to bring the kingdom into our workplace. And if you don't have the right attitude, it's not going to happen. So you can't rely on other people to do it. You've got to rely on yourself. So my first point this morning that the Lord gave me was, how do we bring the kingdom into our home? You need to know the word. If you do not know the word, you don't know nothing. 
That's basically what the Lord told me. He said, if you don't know the word, you don't know anything. So I got thinking about it. Well, how do you know the word? I mean, a lot of people have been Christians for years. I've been Christian for a long time. I don't know the whole word. I know a lot of it. I really started knowing more when I started being a youth pastor and getting into the word, diving into it. So how do you get to know the word? First part I got was listen to it. You need to listen to the word. Turn to Romans ten seventeen. Most of my stuff is going to come out of the NLT. I got one that's going to come out of the NIV. Most of it's going to come out of the NLT, though. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes from hearing, hearing the good news about Christ. Hearing the good news. You got to hear the good news. The word about God is good news. There's instruction in here. And that's one thing the Lord told me when I was reading about this is there's instruction. There's instruction on this. He wants us to have the kingdom of God. He wants you to have it at your home. He wants you to have peace in your house. But it takes a little instruction. Somebody to sit there and tell you how to do it. And God's laid it out right here for you. And the first one is listen to it. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the good news about God. Hearing the good news. Hearing it is making time, setting it aside to hear it. Pastor said the other day, heard a pastor say the other day that he had a woman at church. She came up to him after a service over and said, Pastor, Pastor, I'm so glad that we were able to make it to church this morning. I mean, I'm so glad it worked out for me to be here. And he said, You mean church wasn't a priority for you this week? And I got thinking about it, you know, we need to prioritize church. I'm not saying that you're going to hell if you don't come here, but I'm telling you. To listen to the word, you need to get here. You need to hear it. You need to come on Wednesday night, go to FaceTime groups, get involved. That's how you grow. You feed off of each other. You hear the word. You bounce it off each other. You grow. That's what we do on Wednesday nights with the youth. I, I talk to them. I get them interactive when I'm teaching. I can't do that with y'all as much, but with them I'm talking. I'm getting them, hey, what do you think? What do you think about this? Because we bounce it off each other. I get them involved so they can really grow. It's not me just sitting up there pounding them about the word. They get into it. They hear it. It gets in them. Church should be a priority. You should set aside time for church. My second point is to read it. You need to read the Word. If you're not reading it, you're not getting it in you. You can listen to it all you want to, but there's something about having a book in front of you and reading it and getting it in you. You have to get it in you. Uh, I'm in EMT class right now, and the only way I can sit there and listen to that teacher on PowerPoint all day long, I will not retain the information as good. I mean, retain her key points, but that's it. I will not retain the information good unless I get it and I sit there and I read it and I write it down. I make notes myself because it's me. It's a motion I'm doing with my hand and I'm remembering it. You've got to read it. Matthew 4.4 4 says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This Bible sitting on this podium in front of me is food. It's the word of God. You need to eat it. Reading the word, if this is food... You need, to, you need to treat it like it's food. Nobody in here goes a day without eating. You prioritize time to eat. You set aside special time. At 7 o'clock, I'm eating breakfast. 12 o'clock, I'm eating lunch. Somewhere around 6 o'clock, I'm going to eat supper. I might have time to get that blizzard in before I go to bed. You have a special time set aside. You have a special time set aside to get the, get the food in you. Are you going a day without setting aside time to get the word, reading it? If you're not setting aside time to read it, you're not getting it in you. It's like a meal. It says it right there. You don't live by bread alone. You live by the words of God, the words that come from the mouth of God. This is the word. The book, 
I heard a guy say the other day, the book is authored by God, penned by man. This is the word of God. This is food for you to take in. So don't miss out on it. My last point on this one is to meditate on it. Meditating on it does not mean sitting in a special position like WikiHow tells you to and with your fingers out and hum with a special song plan and a, a flute in the background or something. It's nothing like that. Meditate on it. Joshua 1.8. Meditate on it. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I don't know about y'all, but I want to succeed in everything I do. Man, when I, I mean, this is not just succeeding at my job. It's not succeeding at my home. This is, man, when I hop in my truck, I want it to crank. That's a success. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I've hopped in a truck and it not cranked before. That's not a success at all. <laughs> That's terrible. I mean, especially when you got somewhere to go. Oh, my God, I got to get to work. Truck's not cranked. My boss is going to think I'm just playing hooky. I mean, you need to meditate on the word. Um, me and Shelly were watching last night laying in the bed and I was talking about meditating and we were watching videos online on YouTube of a cow now most of you know, I know it's funny, it's a cow now this is going to be disgusting for some of you but I promise you will remember this when you go home if you don't remember to listen to it and read it you're going to remember and meditate on the word a cow chews its cud has everybody ever heard that? a cow chewing its cud Okay. when a cow chews its cud, what it does it gets its food in, it has stomachs in four different Four, four different sections. Okay. Goes into the first section, which is a big section. Gets the food in there. You know what the cow does? Back up. And it chews it some more. It can do this up to three or four times with each bite of food. Now you say, what does that have to do with anything? They are chewing it to get all the nutrients out. When they, when they burp it back up, they regurgitate it. It's to chew it again and get more nutrients out of it. If you listen to the word and you read the word, you're getting it in you. The only way to get it and get all the nutrients out of it every now and then when you bump into something in your daily life is to just back up and chew on it some more. Chew on the word. <laughs> chew on the word. Now, you cannot eat this paper because this is paper. You, you will not live long, I promise. <laughs> you will not live long. This comes from a tree. But you listen to it, you read it, that's how you get it in you. Then you start meditating on it, chew on it, get all the nutrients out of it. This is nutritional food. I also put, I also got one, one of the things is like, this is like a manual. It's like a manual to life. It's a manual to life. So that's my three things on how to know the word. You need to listen to it. You need to read it. And you need to regurgitate it so you can chew on it and get all the nutrients. Meditate on it. So my next step that the Lord gave me was, you need to live the word. Once you get to know the word, you need to live it. If you're not living it, I mean, are you really being a Christian? I mean, because this is how we're supposed to, supposed to be, right? I mean, I've been, I've, I'm, I'm known for saying I'm a Christian and then not acting like one. You know, Jamie talked um, last week about, you know, people will know if you're a Christian by the way you work and how you act at work. I've been known to not be a Christian at work <laughs> if you're looking at how I work. I mean, everybody's done that, you know. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect all the time because we're not called to be perfect. But when you get the word in you and you know the word, you can live by it. You need to apply its principles to your life. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because the verse says it itself. James 1, 22. James 1, 22 says, Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. 
Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Did y'all get that part? The last part, I want you to get that part now. Don't just listen to it. You must do what it says because if you don't, you're making a fool of yourself. That's, that's what it says right here. James, I'm not making it up. It says it. Today's society is making fools of Christians. We're making fools of Christians. And I'm not saying it's you. Don't take this offensively now. This is instruction from God. It's not from me. Don't get mad at me. We are making fools of ourselves sometimes because we do not apply the principles of this book to our life. We say we're a Christian. We get out in the world, and we act a completely different way. We sit there, and we watch TV. I know you all watch politics. Don't tell me you don't. You're lying if you say you don't. You watch politics, and you see these people on TV, and you're like, what is this world coming to? What are the, uh, why are people voting for these fools? What is wrong with them? I mean, why, who, where did these people come from? Are they running, our country's going to heck in a handbasket? I mean, Christians aren't implying principles. We got people sit on TV running for office saying, I believe, I believe, yeah, I believe. I don't see no fruit. I don't see anything. All I see is you talking ugly about each other. I see you um, throwing stupid remarks at each other. I don't see you trying to work together. You've got to apply the principles. If not, you're going to make a fool of yourself. Now, there's a verse in this Bible for everything. Everything you can bump your head up against. I will assure you that. I said this is like an owner's manual. It's like an owner's manual to a new car. Everybody's had a new car, and you get the one now that has a touchscreen radios and all. You can't even figure out how to work the thing. It's stupid the seats up and down and back and forth. How do you work this stupid thing? I mean, sunroof and you know, how do you work this thing? What do you do? You pull out the manual. You pull out the manual out of your glove box. You get to know the manual. That goes back to reading it. You're reading the manual for your car. What do you do when you have a problem with your car? You don't have to go back to the book because you've already read it. You spit it back up. The knowledge is in here. You spit it up, you're like, ha, I know how to do that. Here, watch this. It's an owner's manual. It's like an owner's manual to a new car. That's what this is. This is your daily life. You're the vehicle. This is your life. This is the owner's manual for it. You have a problem? There's a verse in here, I guarantee you, that will help you get out of your problem. If there's not, you come see me, Jamie, Cynthia, anybody. We will find you a verse, I guarantee you. If you can't find one, come see us. I promise you. If you can know the word... You can start living it. You're applying its principles to your life, using it as an owner's manual for your daily life, and living by it. My next point's coming up. Only then you're going to see God start remodeling your home. I assure you, your, your house will be remodeled. I'm not talking about new carpet. I'm not talking about new paint on the walls, new trim, and new doors. I'm talking about just totally remodeling the presence. When you walk in, people are going to walk into your house they're just going to know something's different. You don't have to tell them you're Christian. You don't have to hang um, verses on the wall. We got some verses on our wall. I mean, not a lot, though. I don't have to have them. I like them, some of them. I think a lot of them are kind of cheesy, but if I'm being real honest. You know, but if you're being a Christian and you're not acting like it, somebody walks in your home, verses on the wall do not, do not mean you're a Christian. People are going to look at the way you act. You know, I talked about the world, you know. People are quick to try to prove 
Christianity wrong this, these days. People are quick to call Christians hypocrites. Don't give them a reason to call you one. I encourage you to really look into that. A couple of years ago, I guess about three years ago now, we had a, um, we had a boy, um, excellent boy. We were excited. Things were great. world was awesome. I had a good job, I thought at the time. I didn't really, though. Um, um, we thought everything was good, man. God had it going for us, you know. Yeah, we got a kid, a house. Man, I don't know what else we could need. And Shelly wound up pregnant. Um, with a five-month-old at that. We got a five-month-old, and she wound up pregnant. We wound up having this little girl. Um, and it's just what I'm telling you, if you will... If you're not married, if you're getting married, if you're ready to have kids, I'm telling you, if you start praying over the kids before you have them, you tell the Lord what you want. He's going to give you the desire of your heart. I'm telling you. We got exactly what we wanted. We started praying for them when we got married. Before we were married, we knew we were going to get married. We are like, when we get ready to have kids, this is what we want. We want a boy first. He's going to be a big, strong boy so he can protect his little sister. We have a little girl after that. and We want her to be blonde hair and blue eyed. That'd be cool. Oh, it'd be nice to have a brown hair, brown eyed boy too because that's cool, you know. That'd be cool. We got a blonde hair, blue eyed girl that's as cute as a button. And we got a boy. He's a big old boy now. He's going to take care of his sister. He's going to take care of his sister. We had her started doctors. She was born. Doctors like, well, we need to check her out. She's got some issues. We don't know what's going on. She couldn't take breast milk. She couldn't take formula. Come to find out she's got something, um, galactosemia. Um, you go Google it if you want to. I ain't got time to go over it this morning. It's to do with dairy and stuff. And we started, heck no. No, I got really upset and offended. I'm like, no, no. You mean to tell me my daughter ain't going to have cake at her birthday? My daughter's not going to get to have ice cream? She ain't going to get to drink milk? Everybody loves milk with some cookies, especially Oreos. <clears throat> I started getting offended. I was like, no, this ain't going to happen. Psalms 33:11 says, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. His plans stand firm forever. Intentions can never be shaken. Allie was not a plan of ours. <laughs> she was totally a plan of God's. We did not want a daughter at that time. I assure you, two daycare, two kids in daycare, two kids in diapers, I promise you, it is not cheap. We did not want it. We, that verse right there. We started praying over that girl. We said, no, you're going to be able to drink milk. You're going to be able to have cake. You're going to be able to have ice cream because you're God's plan for us. We didn't plan you. We planned Cooper. That was a plan. Hey, woo, let's have a kid. But we did not plan Allie. That was God's plan. He had a plan for her from the day she was, before she was conceived. He said, I'm giving you all a girl, and I got a plan for her life. I'm telling you, she's a strong-willed girl, and she's a leader. Cooper's a follower. He might lead a little bit, but she is a leader. I promise you, she bosses that boy around. She says, sit, sit, sit. Then she bosses me around. She'll say, she'll say, Daddy, you sit. You lay me. You lay me. You lay me. She is a boss. Lord's got plans for her in the future. We spoke that over that girl. We have, we have spoke that over that girl. There are things coming for her. We don't know what. And, Lord, I feel sorry for her husband because I'm telling you, she is bossy, bossy. But, you know, it's a good thing, though. If she learns how to control it when she gets older, it'll be a great thing for the kingdom of God. So we got know the word by listening to it, read it, regurgitate it. 
okay? Next is live the word. You do that by applying the principles. The last one that the Lord gave me was be authentic. To be authentic. When you say, what, what is authentic? Well, we're going to define it real quick so that everybody knows what authentic means. Authentic means your words line up with your actions and your actions line up with your heart. That's it. What you say you're going to do is what you're doing. And what you're doing matches what's in here. I always tell the youth that whatever you put in, whether it be TV shows, music, whatever, whatever you put in you is going to come out eventually because you're filling your heart full of crap. (laughs) I mean, you're filling your heart full of crap. And if you are, it's eventually going to come out. You can only hold it in so long. When somebody makes you mad at work, when your kids do something crazy at home or they break something, is there compassion in you? When your kid's crying, because I promise you it's breaking their heart that you're upset with them more than it is you're upset with them breaking something. I promise you. You might be upset, but you'll be over it in a few minutes. That child is going to remember that you got mad at them. I heard on was it that Hutch that died a few, uh, few months ago or whatever. His saying was, um, what was it? Uh, People will forget what you said and done, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. It's a good saying. It's a good saying. People remember how you make them feel. They'll forget what you say to them. They'll forget what you do. They're going to remember how you made them feel. That's, that's, that's deep. <laughs> I mean, what if we lived our life like that? By thinking about how people feel, by the way we treat them. Man, he's going to remember that five years from now? I ain't doing that. Be the person at home when you're authentic. When, if Are your actions... Are your actions matching up with your heart? Be the person at home that you are at church. I know everybody's had an argument before you come into church. And you come into church and you look at each other, we're fine. And you just kind of give each other that look. And when people come up to shake your hand, you say, yeah, we're doing great, brother. How are you? We're doing good. Yeah. Everything's good at the Holt House. Everything's good. I assure you everything's not always good at the Holt House. It's a constant work. But are you being the person at at home that you are at church? Are you being two different people? Are you somebody at church because you're a Christian at church and somebody different at home when something bad happens? Do you actually cry over spilt milk at home? (laughs) Because my kids spill milk all the time. Let's turn to Romans 12, 2 real quick. I've got a couple more scriptures. Oh, I've got seven. I'm doing good. I've got seven more minutes here. But I do have a video to show you all when I finish up, though. Romans 12, 2. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's, work, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Your marriage can be good, pleasing, and perfect too. It says it right there. His, his will for you. His will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So your marriage can be good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what I take that as. My marriage is good, pleasing, and perfect. Do not conform to the customs of the world. I will assure you, your home is not the place to follow the world. The world is a fallen disaster when it comes to telling you how to take care of your home and your family. If you're following the world and you're chasing the world with that, I assure you, your house will fall. 
that's, that's not, I'm guaranteeing you, if you're following the world, your house will eventually fall. There's nothing stable about this world. I got a, I got a niece, you know, she, uh, she got a phone six months ago, I guess. She um, doesn't really know how to text yet. She's 10 years old, I think. So what she does is she'll send me on my phone, she'll send me emojis. Now, anybody, everybody knows what emojis are, right? Emojis are them stupid little things you get on your phone that are just hearts. And once she sends me her hearts with a, like a teddy bear face or a dog face that have hearts as the eyeballs and all this stuff, she sends me like poop. She sends me all these crazy, crazy little texts with emojis. And I was thinking about it, being authentic. I got to think about it. You know, as a, as a married couple, are you authentic with your spouse? Do you tell your spouse that you love them? Do you treat them like the word tells you to treat your spouse? That's the way my, my niece tells me she loves me. She, I could... Hand, one hand, how many times she's actually came out and said, I love you, Uncle Chance. But she tells me she loves me every time she sends me a text. We're full of emojis. I'm talking like eight lines of just emojis. Now, I'm not, I started to show it to you all this morning on the PowerPoint. She, uh, I'm telling you, she says she loves me by emojis. People stay busy. You get home, would work, you're tired. You got to feed the kids. You got to bathe them. They got homework. You got to get them in the bed by eight thirty. That ain't a whole lot of time, y'all. By the time you cook, eating everything, eight thirty, nine o'clock, kids in the bed. That ain't a lot of time. Then you get in the bed and you're like, Phew. "Oh, love you, baby. Good night." Man, that ain't that ain't sentimental. That's not authentic. You're not you're not really showing love like that. You got to show love, and not only do you say it, you got to live it. She's not just saying she loves me with emojis. She's living it. When she sees me, she comes up running and hugging. When them, my, other, my other niece, they see me at the Y working out or something, they come all the way across that weight room and come see me over there. I got to see my Uncle Chance. He's working out. And she'll just stand there. She ain't going to say a whole lot to me. Just, hey, what are you doing? And that's about it. And they just stand there. With, you know, like, what are you doing? I'm trying to work out. You hold me up here. <laughs> do you say you love, I love you? Do you show your kids love? Your kids bring home bad grades. Are you getting upset with them? God, that's so stupid. I told you you should have studied, you should have done more homework. God, if you don't straighten up, you're going to be an idiot. You're not going to make anything of yourself. Are you doing that? Are you speaking life into your kids? Your tongue holds that. Your tongue holds that. You can speak life or death in your kids. Speak, speak positive things in your kids. Mark 3.25 says, If a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. That's why I go back to the spouse. Not, every, not everybody's married, but you and your spouse need to be on the same page. Me and Shelly have been on the same page for years, but we haven't really been on the same page. Does that make sense? Like we're having kids and work, it's just it's hard sometimes. I'm telling you, the last six months, we've been on the same page. And things have happened. What I, I'm telling you, this is life experience right here, what I'm telling you. To listen to it, to read it, meditate on it, apply it. And I promise you, be authentic. 
man, the kingdom of God is going to come in your house. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 is my last one. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Too many times, as Christians, people look at us and we think to ourselves, well, I can't get angry. I can't be angry. I can't do that. Christians don't do that. We bow down. I saw something the other night. Last night I was watching a video and he said, um, I think it was actually the Romans and stuff there when Jesus was crucified and everything. And they're saying, oh, that's his followers. They're Christians. They're not going to fight. They're cowards. They're going to bow down. I was like, hmm, no, no. It's time as Christians we start fighting for what we believe. This world needs the kingdom of God. That's what he called it to be. He called this to be a place for his kingdom to be at. It's time that we start fighting for it. I'm not saying get out there and shoot people and kill each other. But you can fight by being like this. This is fighting words here. This is fighting stuff here. You're fighting when you're doing this. It doesn't say do not, do not get angry. It says if you're angry, don't do something stupid and sin. Don't do something stupid. But if you do get angry, don't let the sun go down on it. Because then the next morning, it's going to be harder to go talk to that person. And when you do that, you know why? Because you're giving the devil a foothold. While you were asleep, that devil came in there and took that. And he said, mm no. You ain't getting down there now. You ain't saying I'm sorry. Nope. Nope. I got in here now. You got the devil a foothold. It's not being angry. It's the sin that comes along with being angry. Don't do something stupid when you're angry. So my question to you this morning Question this morning, are you inviting God's kingdom to reign in your home? Are you listening to the word? Are you prioritizing church? Are you prioritizing listening to the word, getting it in you? Are you reading it like eating a meal? I assure you, you eat multiple, multiple meals a day. You're reading, reading the Bible at least once a day, setting aside time for that. Are you regurgitating it when you have a problem and chewing on it? Chewing the fat on the steak, you know, getting the good out of it before you spit it out because it ain't, it ain't edible. Applying it to your daily life. And are you being authentic? Are you being what a Christian's called to be? Because if you are, the kingdom of God's going to come in your home. I assure you if you do this, take one of these steps at a time and try it. I promise you'll see a difference and you're going to want to try the next step. And when you do, you give it one year I'm telling you, one year seems like a long time. It's not. If you can get to where you can apply these and you give it one year of applying this, your life is going to be totally transformed. I've got a little video I want to show you, and then we're done. It's 1031. I didn't do too bad, y'all, on time. 1031, i got a video I want to show. Most of you have seen the movie War Room. Me and Shelly have watched this movie two times now in the last couple of weeks, two or three times. This movie, this scene is one of the most powerful scenes in the whole movie. I want y'all to watch this. I don't know where you are, devil. But I know you can hear me. You have played with my mind and had your way long enough. No more. You are done. Jesus is the Lord of this house. And that means there's no place for you here anymore. So take your lies, your schemes, and 
your accusations and get out in Jesus' name. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my daughter. And you sure can't have my man. This house is under new management. And that means you are out. And another thing, I am so sick of you stealing my joy, but that's changing too. My joy doesn't come from my friends. It doesn't come from my job. It doesn't even come from my husband. My joy is found in Jesus. And just in case you forgot, he has already defeated you. So go back to hell where you belong and leave my family alone. That is a very powerful scene. That is a powerful prayer. If you haven't seen the movie, I encourage you to go see it. It's a good movie. Um, this morning, that's the things the Lord gave me for y'all. If you're not doing them, I encourage you. It's instruction. So sometimes I feel like the Lord's stepping on your toes a little bit. But it's instruction. But it's good instruction. It's the good word. It's good instruction. It's not evil. It's not ugly. He's not fussing at you. He's not cussing at you. He's not hollering at you. He's not throwing stuff. It's good instruction right here for every day. If you're not doing it, I encourage you to try it. Thank y'all.